Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Ozpol Explained. Today I have a special guest with me attending via Zoom. I'm going to be talking about the ACT Parliament and why is it the way it is and how does it work. So my guest will now introduce themselves with uh, your name, position and a brief physical description for accessibility purposes. Great, well good day guys, gals and non-binary pals. My name is Jonathan Davis. I'm the ACT Greens member for the Tuggeranong-based seat of Brindabella in the ACT Legislative Assembly. My pronouns are he and him, and I'm sitting in my small apartment with books and a fake plant and a picture behind me. I'm wearing a black blazer and a beige knitted sweater and glasses. Excellent. And as always, I am your curly-haired bearded host, David, who is sitting behind a bunch of fancy-looking books um, that are not mine. These are all my wife's. She is the one who collects um, antique looking books. Um, and I've stolen this as a prop to make me look smarter. <laughs> That's, I, I actually went into my study and pulled a pile of books out because if this pile of books wasn't sitting behind me, it would have just been the fake plant, which would have been a terrible look for a Greens MP. Welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us via Zoom. Um, ACT uh, the Eastern Coast in general is having a few issues with the pandemic, and so we are nice and socially distanced, approximately 3,720 kilometres, um, which I think is a little bit more than the necessary um, <laughs> health advice, but it's good to be safe. Best practice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now we've got our COVID Zoom joke in. So, you're a member of the Legislative Assembly of the ACT, um, with the exception of Queensland, which is the only state that doesn't have two chambers, um, the, the ACT only has one, that is one difference between um, the ACT and every other state. What are some other differences? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the key one, given the ACT Legislative Assembly exists due to an act of federal parliament where all of those state parliaments uh, existed prior to federation. So we are a product uh, of the federal parliament. Another big key difference is that we are a city council as well as a state parliament, which means I'm both a city councillor as well as a state MP, which makes for a very interesting and eclectic job description. Uh, I'll be spending my day talking about health and education and infrastructure like a state MP, but then also considering roads, rates, rubbish, libraries, tree planting schedules like a city councillor. So. It definitely keeps me busy. How does the powers of a territory different from like a state? Like you've got the parliament that can make X amount of laws. How, is there a difference in the, in the amount of laws that a territory can make compared to a state? There is no difference in the day to day. The ACT Legislative Assembly can do everything that a state parliament or a city council can do. The key difference though, is that the ACT Legislative Assembly and self-government in the ACT more broadly was enacted by the federal parliament. Uh, and there is federal legislation that means the federal parliament can override any legislation that's passed in the ACT. We found this when our community was the first jurisdiction in Australia to legislate for marriage equality. And that lasted for a matter of days before the federal government overruled that. And we're currently having a debate around uh, the Canberrans wanting to enact legislation for voluntary assisted dying, just like Queensland just has. Uh, but the federal government has indicated they would override that legislation if we even tried. So that is a, a key 
fundamental troubling difference in the ACT. And that stems from basically that territories don't inherently get parliaments. It is a gift, basically. We received self-government in 1989. There was a range of um, unelected uh, bodies that existed prior to that that would advise the federal minister for the territories, um, but had no legislative or decision-making capacity uh, until we received self-government in 1989. What's it like being basically the same age as the parliament that you sit in? Well, the parliament is only two years older than me, um, but yes, I am cursed with a bit of a baby face, uh, and I can assure you that I am reminded about my relative youth by elements of my constituency on a regular basis. So let's talk about how the ACT Parliament is composed. Great question. There are 25 members of the ACT Parliament and there are five electorates. Each one of those five electorates elects five members. We use the Hare-Clark model of voting. Uh, so what that means is while candidates are listed in a party column, uh, you can't vote for a party. You have to number specific candidates. Uh, and over time, we think that, well, I think that that's created a better representation of the views of the community in the Legislative Assembly. So basically, you are representing an area that is also represented by other parties as well, simultaneously. That's right. So my electorate of Brindabella, I serve 70,484 constituents as of the last census. Uh, but I share that responsibility with two members of the Australian Labor Party and two members of the Liberal Party. So does that shape how um, like your duties uh, uh, played out or is it just the constituents' uh, preference as to who they can call up and be like, hey, uh, I have a, a concern about my area and I'd like to talk to ex-politician? Ex yeah, I think the wonderful thing about our system of voting and Conversely, the wonderful thing about our system of representation is it puts all the power back into the voter at elections and the power in the hands of the constituent uh, during parliamentary terms. So during elections, you get to number your preferences right across the ballot, irrespective of political party, for the individuals that you think will best serve the community. Then during the parliamentary term, you have five members of the assembly that work for you. So you can approach all five members on any issue that you might have, or you might take your particular issue to the local member that shares your concern or who has an emphasis in their policy platform around your concern. Let's circle back. Uh, you mentioned that you are basically a local councillor as well, um, because the ACT is pretty unique in that it doesn't have a separate local government body. So, fun fact, I don't know if this applies to all local governments, but currently we're having uh, an election for local government in WA right now. And so there is the local government area, and then there are like wards that divide that area. So are you effectively like covering a ward? Are you covering a whole area? Do you, like, is it, is your electorate the same as your local government area? Or do you have like a subset or are you, or is the parliament uh, involved in all of the ACT, basically? It's a good question. So my electorate of Brindabella is the constituency that I serve, all 70,484 of them. And because the Legislative Assembly has responsibility for all state and local government responsibilities, I represent that same constituency for both 
levels of government for both issues. So if you live in Tuggeranong, I'm the person you call if your nature strip isn't being mowed, if the tree in the local park isn't being maintained, if the slippery dip is rusting. But I'm also the uh, member of parliament that you call if you're having issues navigating public healthcare system, if you have an opinion on a major infrastructure project, uh, if you are interested in what we're doing as a city and as a whole community to tackle the climate crisis. Uh, so it's a very full uh, and broad range of issues that we have a responsibility to be across. How does that work um, in like a, a meeting sense? Like uh, local governments usually aren't actually parliaments, they have like council meetings. Um, so do you just go into the ACT parliament and then have the equivalent of a council meeting? You know, the parliament is like, this is the designated question time. Is it like, this is the designated council time? No, it's a complete hybrid model where all issues are seen um, at the exact same time with an equal measure of importance to our community. It's one of the things that makes our question time so interesting uh, because MLAs will get up and ask the executive questions about hospital wait times, uh, plans to build new public schools, but then they'll also get up and say, you know, Mrs. Smith of Theodore didn't have her recycling picked up on Friday. What's up with that? It'll switch to a completely different issue. That kind of question would usually be directed to our Minister for City Services, who is almost affectionately known in our local media as the Lord Mayor of Canberra, because as Minister for City Services, they will they manage the department that has responsibility for most of those local government municipal issues. It's an interesting way of doing things, isn't it? In, in my relatively small knowledge of how governments operate in other states, I do think our hybrid model almost exclusively works well in the ACT because we're a finite space. Um, you know, one of the big values in having local government is that it is incredibly localised to your small community where you can make decisions within the community that's relevant only to that community. Uh, but Canberra is a city with a radius of 40 kilometres. Uh, and so we're actually all one community. There's a finite amount of space. And so the local government municipal planning issues that will affect somebody in my electorate are almost certainly the same issues that will affect somebody at the most northern part of Canberra, which, to be fair, is less than half an hour away. Fair enough. So tiny... I mean, the, the, you know, we are, we are the fastest growing city in the country and we are on track to be a population of half a million by 2025. Um, and relative to our population size, we're the most underrepresented jurisdiction in the country. When you consider that we don't have uh, city councils and when you consider our substantially lower representation in the House of Representatives and in the Senate relative to states, uh, the irony of being the home of Australia's government, but being the least governed jurisdiction in the country. That is a good point. Um, because you are a territory, you are given uh, two senators, which are not guaranteed. Um, that is a choice that parliament made. Whereas all other states, uh, all states get 12. And so Tasmania would have a somewhat comparable uh, population size, but six times the amount of senators. Yeah, that's right. So you could argue that the average perspective of the of a Tasmanian is represented six times greater, uh, at least, than that of the views of the average Canberran. 
Well, it is it is a system designed to stop New South Wales ganging up on us. So yes, it, but it does go to show that the system was designed uh, prior to the establishment of territories. The fun thing is that you don't need a referendum to uh, change how many senators the ACT has. That's right. Just circling back to like the local government, um, I know that Jarvis Bay uh, counts as like part of the ACT when it comes to like electorates for federal parliament. Um, is there any sort of like uh, legislative crossover? Do you, is that does the ACT look after after Jarvis Bay, or is it just a federal responsibility? No, Jarvis Bay is an interesting one. Jarvis Bay is for the most part administered by services from the New South Wales state government uh, and uh, its residents are not represented in the Legislative Assembly. I've been saying Jarvis, it's Jervis. Oh no. Fits in the Commonwealth Electoral Division of Fenner and they're subject to ACT law, uh, but their residents have no voting rights in either the ACT Assembly elections or New South Wales local council elections. So there is often a crossover in the sort of responsibilities of different parliaments. Um, there is also like they interact with each other, like state and federal sometimes have to interact with each other, like things for, like road funding is my favorite example. Um, but not, uh, not many parliaments have the privilege of being a short drive down the road from federal parliament. Does anyone ever like pop over or how does that like affect the relationship between um, the parliament? In a formal sense, no, there's really no difference to our relationship with federal parliament to that of a state. Certainly on a personal sense, having such close proximity to the federal parliament does mean that I can maintain my activist roots and it's not uncommon to find me at one of the many protests on, at issues that I care about that take place on the front steps of parliament house. So that, uh, that proximity is advantageous. Um, but in terms of our formal working relationship, it's not dissimilar to how any other state parliament would engage with the feds. So you don't get to easily sit down and form meetings with relevant ministers? No, I mean, particularly as a, as a crossbench MLA, so I'm not an executive member, I'm not an executive member of the government running directorates. Um, that is usually the level at which, you know, governments interact at that level as opposed to parliaments. And while I'm a signatory to a governing agreement between two parties, I'm not in the government per se, as I'm not in cabinet, not an executive member, not a minister with responsibility of managing budgets and government directorates. Um, and it would be at that level, I imagine, where there are Commonwealth state relations or Commonwealth state funding agreements uh, that need to be managed. It would happen at that level. So the Greens are a bit different in the ACT Parliament uh, in comparison to sort of like other coalitions. Um, you've got a, a coalition, if I'm allowed to say that word, with Labour going on? It wouldn't be the word that I would use. You've got an agreement of some kind, um, but there is yeah. the executive and then there's the non-executive members. Um, so could you elaborate on what that is and how the roles are different? Yeah, that's right. So for context, 25 members in the Assembly, 10 of them are Labour members, 9 of them are Liberal members, and 6 represent the Greens. That means that no one party has a majority and two parties would need to work together to form a government. Uh, in this instance, the Greens and Labor have worked together to form a government. We have a publicly available parliamentary and governing agreement. It outlines the way our two parties will work together. 
It outlines policy commitments that we both made at the election that we have a shared commitment to implementing. And it also outlines the key areas of difference where Labor has a different policy perspective to the Greens and vice versa, and what kind of framework we will each work towards implementing our respective mandates while still being able to collaborate with one another. Part of that means that there are nine ministers in the cabinet. Six of those ministers are from the Labor Party and three of those ministers are from the ACT Greens. The remaining three Labor members sit on their backbench and the remaining three Greens members, of which I'm one, uh, sit on the crossbench. So this means that, that you can publicly disagree with the Greens cabinet members? I can, but it has not um, proven necessary. Uh, you know, the Greens as a party form our policy positions on consensus. And so it means there are usually discussions within our party room prior to our ministers going to cabinet where our ministers can take into cabinet what is the collective position of the Greens party room. Uh, and through a cabinet process there, either we get up the things that we think uh, or we don't. Um, but that's one forum in which, in which that we can try to implement Greens policy. And when that doesn't work, there are a range of tools available to me from the crossbench to advance issues that are important to our voters. So that's private members' business, tabling new legislation, asking questions at question time and engaging in the committee process of the assembly, which sort of exists in lieu of an upper house. It's a process in the assembly to provide checks and balances against the executive and on new legislation. Interesting. Actually, could you elaborate on that? It is an interesting one. There are six standing committees of the legislative assembly. Each standing committee is uh, chaired by, uh, sorry, the membership is made up of the non-executive members of the assembly. So Labor members, Liberal members and Greens members who are not ministers. When new legislation is tabled to the assembly, it's automatically referred to one of these committees and the committee makes the decision whether or not they want to launch a public inquiry into the legislation. Now, if they don't, they bring it back to the parliament for debate, but that's one way of all three parties working together to try and form some consensus views around legislation or provide perspectives and bring in community voices. That's also the process by which the budget is usually analysed through an estimates process. So the budget is usually siloed into one of those six committees where it's relevant and the committee investigates and scrutinises the spending commitments in that committee's area of policy responsibility. So for example, I'm the chair of the Standing Committee on Health and Community Wellbeing. And there's a range of areas of government which we're responsible to analyse. Health, mental health, disability, aged care, etc. So in the upcoming budget, my committee will be the one in charge of scrutinising that part of the budget and doing a budget estimates. Right. And this is the, the Legislative Assembly is a way of working with only one chamber instead of having two for review. That's right. It means on the ground floor of our building, we've got the chamber smack bang in the middle, but around the periphery of the chamber, a range of committee rooms. That means in, in periods where the parliament itself or the, the assembly itself isn't sitting, it's not uncommon for those respective committees to be sitting independently of the chamber, made up of non-executive members working on legislation or public inquiries of, of anything that's interesting. So just at the moment, I'm on four committees and we're doing inquiries onto uh, monuments and public art dedicated to women, 
decriminalising drugs, um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and the government's policy approach to that, uh, school infrastructure and maintenance. Uh, so that's my workload just in those committees. Awesome. That's really interesting. It definitely keeps us busy. Um, as much as I know that it's an Australian pastime to uh, bash politicians and say how they don't work very hard, even the politicians that I don't like and it, representing parties that I wish didn't win, in the assembly, I can still say everybody uh, punches well above their weight. There's a lot of work to be done and not very members to uh, very many members to do it. When you think that that's across two whole tiers of government, everybody does work pretty hard in the assembly. Excellent. Well, that is all of my questions. Um, is there anything else to add? Oh gosh, no, if you give me an open mic, I'll monologue. So no, I'm, I'm fine. So thank you very much for joining us and teaching us about the ACT and how it works. Thank you for having me. When the borders open up, you and your viewers are welcome to sunny Canberra anytime. Oh, I would love to go on a tour of Canberra House. You know what? I, it would be my honour. And there you have it. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Comment down below what you would like to learn about next. Share, which helps the channel grow. Subscribe, all those kinds of things. And a massive thank you to all my supporters on Patreon who help support this channel. Thank you so much and I will see you next time.